gonna go for my condensed milk now. And then you can write. Mm. I think I'm more disgusted by you just <laughs> yeah. drinking condensed milk. Mm. Five out of five. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Recommend. Welcome back to the Chicken Out Scared Podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2009 film Jennifer's Body, directed by Karen Kusama. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? Up close and personal with you today. Get away from me. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited because we have another guest. Who that? Hi, everyone. My name is Yessi. I am Vivi's younger sister and Eric's sister-in-law, if that needed to be explained. I'm very <laughs> excited. Excited to be here and a little nervous, but hopefully it'll be a good one. So yeah, we're gonna have fun. Don't yeah. worry. Well, do you want to start with how you've been? I have been lazy lately. <laughs> I think all I've been doing in my spare time is watching a whole lot of Degrassi's Next Generation and going to work. But honestly, the <laughs> highlight is watching Degrassi. And <laughs> and what I really need to be doing is applying a lot more than I currently am to find a full time job. I'm still recovering from grad school that ended back in May, but I'm still recovering. So You got this. So if you're listening to this and you're looking to hire someone. Yeah, I'm your gal, maybe. Unless it's Depends. a sucky workplace. <laughs> Adulting is hard. I'm not your gal. What about you? I am good. We did an early birthday celebration. Yeah, Sleepy week. Hollow. Yeah, it was an immersive cocktail experience. It was their opening weekend, right? I think so. It was super fun. They gave us like three drinks and a shot and then you could decorate your drinks how you liked or add as much ingredients as you want along with there being a show. They had fancy little containers, too, saying we should go get some. Yeah. They sprayed their apps into the little perfume bottle. Which is, like, a way you're supposed to do it. Yeah, we need to step up our game. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to jump into this because I think that I'm going to learn a lot from the female perspective, it sounds like. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Cool? Cool. Is Enrique going to do it? I think he's just going to be the background. Yeah, the background Um, commentary. Audience. Okay. Yes. Joining us in the background is my boyfriend, Enrique. He thought he was too cool to join, so we had to respect that opinion. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, then, let's start with creepy content. What do you got, Jesse? I'm actually not a very avid, creepy consumer, but lately I actually have been watching some stuff, and along with that realm, I've been watching a lot of this YouTube channel called Fascinating Horror. I think similar on the true crime aspect, it's based on real life and it's very horrific true events so things like bridge collapses and you know roller coaster and amusement park rides going wrong concert crushes where you know people unintentionally start a concert crush and quite literally kill other concert goers that way it's a concert crush i've never heard of this oh concert crush yes exactly Uh, like a mosh pit and stuff yeah or if like the last doors of the venue open and everyone's just Trying to, you know, rush in to get in before other people to get a better view of the stage. Yeah, then they literally end up trampling others. But it's very fascinating because our narrator, he goes into detail on what went wrong. So if it was like an engineering issue that went on with the bridges or like roller coaster rides, safety regulations are then put into place because of these events that took place. So it's morbid, but fascinating and how does um, this not spike your anxiety because i think i would freak out and never want to leave the house. it did it does sometimes but for the most part it doesn't i think because it's mostly talking about like hey this went wrong this many years ago but because of it now oh. we have these things in place to prevent it but honestly things like the concert crushes and stuff that are kind of just 
people being greedy does sort of scare me. We're going to go see 21 Pilots and it's a standing venue and 21 Pilots concerts are very packed. Tickets were hard to come by and things like that. So those concert crush videos in particular had me kind of like, oh, I'm kind of scared to go to this show. <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't have watched that one before going to maybe, the Maybe, but... It's probably best just not to think about it. it. It's best to avoid it. <laughs> maybe. We had a friend, he went to a Chevelle concert. A guy was climbing some banisters and then he got impaled on the organ because he fell oh and they had to stop the concert yeah they had to stop the concert. <laughs> chevelle's not even that hard of a band <laughs> my god see that's the ones that i find especially scary where it's just people doing Being... things they shouldn't be doing yeah. and it's not okay but insane well yeah. thanks right. for that depressing <laughs> deep you're talk. welcome that's my creepy con- if you're not into that go watch degrassi the next generation traumatizing <laughs> for want, other reasons yeah if, if you want some of that nostalgia early 2000s nostalgia i highly recommend it back before drake was drake he was Aubrey graham is jimmy <laughs> in the wheelchair wheelchair jimmy we love him probably a better person back then. oh damn. yes <laughs> oh my god and one of the best characters on degrassi hands down but anyway i'm, I'm done with my creepy con now yes <laughs> yeah we watched this argentinian horror movie it's called Aterrados. In there Spanish. you go. Thank you, yeah. sir. But translates to terrified. And I actually really liked it. It's kind of fun in the way that it's not something you should take really seriously or follow the storyline too closely. Don't it's creepy. It's got creepy imagery. The story kind of doesn't really even explain itself. Like, it there's doesn't. a lot of things kind of going on at the same time. And then you're just, it's the credits. And you're like, oh shit, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. But we watched it for Hispanic Heritage Month because we're trying to watch more Hispanic directors. Mm. Also, I think this is our first woman director on the show. So, yay! Yay. Sucks that there isn't more women directors in horror. But (laughs) it was a fun time. I recommend everyone check it out. So what do you got? Well, we watched Marvel's What If. My thought was we would talk about Marvel Zombies. But a lot of these episodes are just super dark. They're just depressing. Mm. It's not just Marvel's What If. It's Marvel's What If You Got Depressed Watching Marvel Movies. What if Marvel (laughs) was made by someone very mentally ill? One of the episodes is literally like, what if the Avengers didn't get together because they're all killed? They're like some actual murders. Yeah. Yeah. People dying, but murders. Oh my god. That's crazy. Marvel's turning a little darker. (laughs) Yeah, which is good. Zombies was a good episode. I just bought three pops because I wanted a dead Captain America and a dead Iron Man and Scarlet Witch. Well, that's all we got. And Rick you got anything over there? I like frogs. <laughs> That's, That's what Enrique got. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I actually kind of left it up to Yessi. I asked her if she wanted me to recreate the shot in this movie or do like a very bloody looking cocktail. And she said, uh, shots are her jam. I am the, the shot shots. queen. <laughs> I love them. They're the most painless and quickest way to get drunk. So I disagree. I think yeah. they are very painful. No. <laughs> I don't love them. But, and I'm not saying I agree with this shot because I kind of think it's in poor taste, but it's a 9 11 tribute, tribute shot. shot. Mm-hmm. It looks very patriotic. It looks like those rocket pops. It is red, white, and blue. The layers are grenadine at the bottom. For the white, I mixed condensed milk and peach schnapps. The top is blue caracao. 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 <laughs> and I was going to mix it with vodka, but yes, he has a strict no vodka rule. No, it used to be my favorite. And then shout out to Barstool's Pink Whitney, New Amsterdam vodka. It was my absolute favorite drink. And then it made me very sick. Yeah. <laughs> too quickly. Too much too quickly. So yeah, no more vodka for me. So I mixed it with rum instead. Yes, he requested a chaser of just condensed, condensed milk, milk on the side. 
for her. <laughs> Which sounds so disgusting, but... That's what she has. I'm actually nervous for this one because it's more like a double shot. It is very, a very tall, tall glass. So It's like the 4th of July shots like everyone makes now. You literally so. picked your poison. You li- yeah. yeah, you agreed to this. I did, yeah. I didn't expect it to be this, this large of a shot, <laughs> yes. though. So. All right, well... Bottoms up. Cheers. 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 Oh, it does turn brown. Yeah, if you don't finish it. Oh, Lord. Oh, that was a mixture of flavors. (laughs) What just happened? You went on a little journey there. Yeah, a lot of things happening. You're going to chase it with your condensed milk kit? I think I'm actually going to go with Coke. (laughs) Oh, that really was a lot of flavors. So tell me what you think. (laughs) Okay, so the top layer, I don't think I tasted that that much. The blue Cara... Cara Krakatawa. Didn't hit me much. I very much taste the second layer. Like I thought the condensed milk was very potent. And the last part really did taste like those patriotic popsicle things. (laughs) But I think the aftertaste. Once all the flavors kind of melt together, it's like, oh, not very pleasant. I don't know. It's really sweet. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like grenadine that much. It just has a very sweet aftertaste of grenadine. Eric? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Simply put. What's your rating? Oh, God. Two. 2.5. 2.5. Be generous. I would give it a 2 because it's just cute looking, but it does not taste that great. There's definitely better shooters out there. I get a 1. It's Ooh. not good. <laughs> it's just sweet and that's... I think what was weirder is that it's like liquidy but then it had a thick little layer in the middle. Yeah. It felt like it shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely go with the red, white, and blue jello shots for the 4th instead. Separate. Yeah. Good. Give it a shot. Give you it a shot like a it. shot. You got some fun facts to wash away that? I do. Some not so fun though. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was a darker cut of the film that dove deeper into the community and how much each loss left a hole in the hearts of those around them. Kusama says that the final cut ended up being a lot campier than what she had in mind. On the note of being campy, she showed the entire cast the Evil Dead 2 because herself and Diablo Cody, who was the writer, were pretty avid horror fans. So I think it's funny you would show them a campy film, but then your film is supposed to be dark. That makes sense <laughs> with the mm-hmm. reference where she's like, Is that my Evil Dead t shirt? <laughs> Oh, good call. Yeah. Catch. Thank you. I, I really like the Evil Dead, so I noticed it. <laughs> good looking. The film was written by Devil Cody, female writer, directed by Karen Kusama, female director, and had a mostly female-centric cast. This was huge for women empowerment in the industry, but at the same time, there were those who attempted to exploit the film in ways that weren't intended, including using the kissing scene to attract audiences and pitching that Megan Fox go on adult websites to do live chats. Did she do it? No. They were even like, don't even tell her that that's what you want to do because it's not a good idea. Even though this was a women-centric directed film, the marketing team really wanted to market this to like teenage boys. Mm -hmm. And so when teenage Teenage boys went in to see the movie. They were like, what the fuck is this? Because this film is very much about Needy and Jennifer's relationship. Yeah, because someone was upset about the marketing using the kissing scene. She's like, I feel very much like Needy when I was growing up and how relationships with girls back then were almost like a romance versus a thing about your sexuality. That's just how close you get. It was a kissing scene that also felt very out of place. Either, you know, play up that factor a little bit more where you're insinuating that their relationship is... Partially romantic. Yes, romantic than just platonic or leave it out. It just felt a little out of pocket. Either make it the needy is trying to figure that out about Mm -hmm. herself or don't include it. Mm -hmm. Which it is... 
slightly hinted at in the beginning where she's watching Jennifer cheering and one of the classmates, oh God, what does she say? You're so lesbian mm-hmm. for your best friend. But again, that's probably the biggest extent to what it's alluded to. I don't know. That's a conflicting scene. When they took back statistics on the reviews from men versus women, more men hated it than women did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. films for women. <laughs> Well, we'll get into more later about why it would make sense that men hate the film. Oh, yeah. Um, She's literally killing men. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) They're the prime victims, quote-unquote victims (laughs) film. Megan Fox and Karen Kusama were both affected by the sacrifice scene. Megan was bound to a rock in a forest in the middle of the night, which was taxing on her body. Mm -hmm. But she also felt it was a representation of how movie studios were seeing her at the time as just more like an image versus caring about how she actually Mm -hmm. was mentally. Point. I feel like Megan Fox had a tough career. Honestly, I applaud her. I've seen interviews where she talks about it. And honestly, with just how bravely, I guess, she speaks on the matter. I don't know. I couldn't do it the way that she doesn't break out into fury over how she was treated by her male directors, by media. It's a lot. But it seems like she's thriving now. So so I'm happy for her. She's having a resurgence. We're here for the Megan Fox resurgence. (laughs) This next one, it was a beauty suggestion, but... Just a content warning, as this has themes of sexual assault and murder. The film storyline has a grilling similarity to the real-life murder of Elise Pollard. Elise was a 15-year-old girl from Arroyo Grande, California. In 1995, she was invited by three boys to smoke marijuana in a local grove. Once in the grove, one of the boys used his belt to strangle her, while another used a knife and stabbed her in the neck multiple times, I believe 12. They then proceeded to sexually assault her corpse. They left her body in the grove and returned on multiple occasions to continue their assault. They planned this in advance and believed that by sacrificing Elise, they would gain power from the devil to become famous with their death metal band. Her body was not wow. found until March of 1996, eight months after she was murdered. The culprits were not discovered until one of the three boys had a change of heart after converting to Christianity. Oh my goodness. They were sentenced to 25 years to life, and it wasn't the first time they tried to kill her. They only chose her because she was blonde-haired, blue eyes, and she was a virgin. So you try to sacrifice something to Satan and then find God later. I don't think it works that way. No, it's probably just his guilt that drove him to that, and he thought he could find repentance that way, but it doesn't work that way. Despite what this movie will tell you, sacrificing someone will not get your band famous. No, it'll get you murdered. It'll get you in prison. Hopefully. Except the band was trash. First of all, that song, <laughs> you're so over it by the end of the movie. It's a very 2009-type band, like emo. A lot of reference to the emo pop-punk scene at the time. Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, Motion City soundtrack posters also featured in uh, Nita's Bedroom. So, that's all I got. Not, yeah. not a very fun fact to end on, but... Um, no. Cool. So I think it's Jesse's turn to summarize this movie in a minute. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Bring up the mood again, because that was depressing. Oh my god. And if I um fail, don't I have to take another shot? Yeah, we all do. <laughs> oh, we all do? Oh man, maybe I might intentionally go slowly. Tell me when. Yeah. Okay, so in the opening scene, we uh, watch Jennifer, who is watching an infomercial on workout equipment, um, and we see Anita looking through her window. Opening, opening lines are, hell is a teenage girl. Uh, then we switch scenes to Anita in a mental institution, where we find out her nickname is Kicker. Um, she soon after kicks a, one of the... Um, oh, God, oh, my God. Yes, orderlies, yes. <laughs> 
Um, and she gets put in solitary confinement, and we hear music from the speaker in the room uh, that sends us to a flashback as Anita says she hates the song. Okay, we are in Devil's Kettle, um, named after the waterfall in the town where everything falls in the hole but nothing comes out. Um, we're flashing back to two months ago where um, uh, Jennifer invites Anita to a show. I'm going so slowly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You made it past the first. I did seconds. it. Oh my god. Okay. Well, she kills a bunch of dudes. And no. <laughs> I need to get through that. <laughs> that was literally the first three minutes of the movie. Uh, okay, listen. You didn't even want to be an official part of this podcast, so you don't get to say. That's the premise. We have an almost as bad as Francisco summary. Oh my god, so I was so determined to do better than him too. Oh, the man. details just feel very important. You had a minute. You messed up the moment you started trying to read from your notes. I know, I did, but I okay. I'll, I'll take I'll take the L. I will take the L because I'm bad. Francisco, you're not alone. Does that provide some comfort? I'm gonna go with the ever reliable tequila shot. Oh, no. Yes, please. All right, so yes, he's failing epically. Oh, man. I think I got the gist of it in the last couple seconds. God damn it. Ooh, gross. A brief overview of that? Please, because that was bad. This is one of the overviews from IMDb. When a demon takes possession of her, high school hottie Jennifer turns a hungry eye on guys who never stood a chance with her before. That's kind of mean review. <laughs> While evil Jennifer satisfies her appetite for human flesh with the school's male population, her nerdy friend, Needy, learns what is happening and vows to put an end to it. Dun, dun, dun. I wouldn't say that her friend is nerdy. She just wears glasses. Right, it doesn't even talk about her being good at school. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it literally <laughs> mentions nothing about her being nerdy. Mm-mm. Nice seem to be going in that stereotype, asshole. Well then, let's dive into it. We open on a home. We find out it's Jennifer's home, and she's sitting in bed. It looks like she's journaling and watching infomercials. She's gone through some stuff, though, because her eyes look sunken. They mm-hmm. try to make her look tired and ugly, yeah. ugly for Megan Fox. We see that Needy is in the background wearing a hoodie and stuff. And then we flash to a mental institution. We get Needy's voiceover that hell is a teenage girl. Needy is in this institution because, okay, this is something I was not clear on. Are they claiming she is responsible? Responsible for the murders of the men as well as Jennifer? Probably. Yeah, that wasn't clarified. They're thinking there's this murder spree and she's the first one to have been caught like that. Like Kissy mentioned, her nickname is a kicker. She She kicked the shit out of that lady. She said she needed more carbohydrates. More complex carbs. And yeah. she said, fuck you, carbs make you fat. It'd be cool to just be that strong, though, as a teenager. Actually, throughout this whole movie, didn't know what her actual name was, but her chart shows that her name's Anita. Ah, that's where you figured it out. Yeah, because yeah. me and Eric are reading the subtitles, like, her name is Needy? Because oh, the right. subtitle showed it spelled N-E-E-D-Y. And I think that's supposed to be a play on how her, her character, character is like, dependent on Jennifer and... I don't know if I truly believe. We'll get to that in a second. Yes. It comes into play with Chip later. The whole time I thought Jennifer was just being a dick, calling her needy all the time. Same. I, like, I thought that idea. too. But that's what yeah. also calls her. They put her in that isolation room. This is a pretty fucking big isolation room. Oh, she tall. has space to like stretch out, lay down. Mm-hmm. And the only uncomfortable thing is laying on the ground. But it's not And the music that. they force you to listen to. There's a window. You get to see the moon. The highest class <laughs> of mental institutions. I wouldn't mind staying in there. Needy <laughs> <laughs> is setting up the story taking place two months before this, saying that she used to be a normal girl. Now she gets fan letters from 
creepy dudes, mm-hmm. perverts, or people trying to convert her to Christianity. The place is called Devil's Kettle because of a waterfall where scientists are doing experiments to see where the waterfall ends up. That, I thought was pretty cool because it could potentially just go nowhere and it's just bottomless, but mm-hmm. when Needy's walking later in the movie, she just happens to walk past where everything's at. And like, yeah, so they could just drive exactly. And she finds the knife used in Jennifer's ritual, too. The point is, the stuff does come back up. <laughs> she mentions that just two months ago, her boyfriend Chip and her best friend Jennifer were just normal teenagers, worried about normal, dumb things. Chip is her boyfriend. He appears to be a drummer in the marching band. Her best friend Jennifer is a cheerleader and she is just cheering them both on from the stands. Hot. her little glasses. Wear her little glasses. She has very tiny glasses. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She has very big eyes and I feel like those glasses would not help. So basically Needy mentions that a lot of people don't understand why a total babe like Jennifer is friends with her. Total babe. Total babe. And all she mentions is that sand bucks love runs deep. Mentioning that they've been best friends since they were kids. She invites her to that show and she mentions MySpace. What a time. Who was in your top eight? Tom, like you top never. 30s. Tom. No, Tom, Tom is, is MySpace. My that dude's an alien. This is him sitting on his laptop watching porn. No, Tom was. He had like a whiteboard behind him. Yeah, and he was like. He was just like, hey, <laughs> working on something, creating MySpace. I like Tom. He wasn't in it for the money. Actually, people who are in my top eight are like still my friends now. So. I literally had like Never Shout Never in my top eight and stuff. So I was, I was lying. <laughs> I'm 25 for reference here. So when I was in fifth grade, it was like popping off. And I was so sad because my parents didn't let me have one until eighth grade. And honestly, that's when it was like fizzling out already, like 2010. Because Facebook started up that year. Um, yeah. 2009 is when I started going in my emo phase and liking metal. Maybe that's when most of us started, right? Uh, <laughs> with, with the references in these Emo phases. Yeah. We should have like a throwback episode. That's true. We should throw an emo party. Yes. Jennifer's like, we're going to the show at, she calls it a club, but then Nene's like, we don't have clubs. We have like a local bar. We have one bar. She says, we're going to go check out this band I've been stalking. They're called Low Shoulder. I'm after the lead singer. Needy's like, oh, I have plans with Chip tonight. And then Jennifer just stares at her until she's like, fine, I'll meet you afterwards. The next scene is Needy with her boyfriend Chip, played by young Neil. He's annoyed that she's going. He's like, you don't even like that stuff. And she's like, but it's cool. I'm going with Jen. He, this entire movie is like, why do you go and give in to her? Questioning why they're even friends in the first place. He says they don't have anything in common. Needy is arguing that they do. They like all the same things. So here is where I'm going to give my theory about Needy. Needy is surrounded by bad people. Hmm. This is what happens when you're in a small town. I honestly feel like Chip and Jennifer are both trying to control Needy in their own special ways because Chip then makes comments about how Needy is dressed. It's not even that provocative and he's got an issue with that. I did not like that, yeah. And personal opinion, I think it's a red flag when a guy tries to separate you from your friends. So Mm. honestly, I think they are both abusive people trying to control Needy. What do you think about her mom? Her mom was just kind of absentee. Not to say that she was a bad mom because she didn't... She's working all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's just the circumstances of being in this small town. And I think that could probably play into Needy being confused about her sexuality maybe is that she has these two people trying to manipulate her in some aspect. That's my theory. But they do end up going to the show. It's like this weird scene of Jennifer pushing her way too hard into the door when they're like roughhousing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another thing is when Jen shows up, 
Needy also knows when she's there. I thought Good something point. else was in play. I was like, is there something going on with Needy and maybe her like, love line or something? Because her mom talks about this dream where she had Needy yes. getting stick to the tree. And I was yeah. like, and she can see visions of Jennifer. I did stuff. make a note like, of that. Something else is going on with Needy. I was and like, I is Needy kind of psychic? Because yes. she can predict when things are happening with Jennifer. I have here in my notes that when the mom's talking about the dream she has, and she says, dreams about you being nailed to a tree like JC. Oh, wow. So <laughs> they, like, who is JC? No, but I'm thinking of, because they're religious. Jennifer's name is Jennifer Chet. Yeah, oh. that's why I was like, like who are they referring to yeah. here? I like when movies do that. Okay. <laughs> I think you're supposed to get that they're like, very in sync because that scene where they're in the sandbox jennifer gets cut by like a thumbtack or something and needy literally cleans her stab wound by sucking her blood i think it ties back into like folklore and legend about how when you ingest someone else's blood it like makes this impenetrable bond you know and this connection what if that's the reason she doesn't go full demon is that she had part of her blood in there already that is a good thing. You know, it's like maybe if it had been someone else, she wouldn't have. Welcome to the conspiracy corner <laughs> of this episode. No, analyzing films is so fun. <laughs> All the little details. And that's why I think this movie gets a bad rep because if you actually watch it, there's some good stuff going on. They do eventually go to this small town bar. We get scenes of Jennifer being very cool and calm and collected with every guy she comes across and mm-hmm. every dude that has a crush on her. We even get early Chris Pratt, probably pre-Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec started in 2009, so it's possible that they were same time, same same time. time just released a little before this. He also didn't play such a prominent character. I literally made a note of his character and everything and he never came up again. He did not. They just mentioned that he's dead off screen. No. Yeah. When they're talking about who died in the fire, they say his name and she's like, oh, they got Roman. His name was Roman. No, 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 no. Later, she's like, I'm fucking a cadet, which means she's got connections with the police, so I don't think he died. Yeah, I don't think he died. She's gonna fucking cadet. I'm I'm fucking cadet. I'm fucking cadet. Her side story in this movie is that she's like, what? I'm fucking a cadet, and I have a, in here Roman Police Academy. Plot twist. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. We get this shot of Jennifer making her way up to the band, and mm-hmm. she's not her usual confident self that's... when she's talking to them, which is odd. The band is called Low Shoulder, very pop punk band of the times, like we mentioned. I thought she did it on purpose because she's like, use your boobs, the one thing that'll get you where you need to go or whatever. So I thought she was using it to just. Yes, she, she's like playing coy to get their attention. This is where we get the inspiration for the drink tonight, where she says she's gonna go buy him a drink. The red, white, and blue tribute shooter. Ah, delicious. Interesting to note here, she says that if you leave it sitting for too long, it turns brown. We had our sitting for like a good 20, 30 minutes and it didn't turn brown. So, interesting. Once you mix it, it does. It does turn brown, yeah. I thought it was funny that when the band shows up, she's like, you can tell they're from the city. Look at their hair. (laughs) And their guy liner. (laughs) But as Jennifer goes to get them the shot, Needy overhears the band members talking about how Jennifer is... Probably a virgin. I think that Needy was already suspicious because when Jen goes to talk to them, Needy's like, why did you guys come out all the way over here? And they're like, oh, you know, we have to connect with our fans even in shitty places. Yes. <laughs> Which, yeah, piece yeah. of shit, man. Yeah, they're terrible. Shitty dudes. Thinking she's being a good friend and defending Jennifer and saying that she is a virgin. Definitely a virgin, yeah. 
It beats sleeping with guys like you. Unknowingly, she is giving them information that they I want to hear. Yes. They want Jennifer to be a virgin. Yes, but the needy tells Jennifer what they just said. Jennifer's like, I'm not even a backdoor virgin. Just <laughs> <laughs> confirming that she's not a virgin. Yeah. At this point, the band plays, and needy and Jen are holding hands. Needy's very like, mesmerized by Jen, but Jen's also very mesmerized by the band. Mm. Put under a spell almost. Yeah, I don't get it. Is there a reason or explanation for why she was so That's a good question. She's like mm. in a trance almost watching them. The only thing I could think of is that the band had already selected her and was trying to do some occult things to her to make her susceptible to the ritual. That's not said at all. It's just the only way that I can explain her attention to this band. And they make it a point to show that she lets go of Needy's hand because she's so attentive to them playing and Needy looks very salty that she stopped holding her hand. I interpreted the opposite. And Needy pulled away? Needy was the one that pulled away from her. They focus on their hands and you can see that Needy, as she pulls her hand away, has even like the presses of her Because Jen's holding onto her so tight. Really? kind of like, ugh, and pulls away. So I guess different audience members can interpretation. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I wonder why she was gripping her so tightly. Because the trance. she was trance. But why was Needy put off by that and let go, you know? She Wouldn't she? saw the band as, like, jerks from the beginning, I think. And Needy was also noticing the fire way before. Oh, before it happens, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, because she might be kind of psychic. She feels something bad going on. Mm-hmm. Apparently there is a uh, director's cut of this film. The darker version. And it really just solidifies Needy as the main character, where this cut plays up more Megan Fox because she was the more popular actress at the time. But mm-hmm. even with the cut, I very much feel like this film's about Needy. The fire starts in the bar. It looks like it's coming from an outlet and then it spreads under the curtain. And then it just fucking goes haywire out of nowhere. The ceiling also bursts into flames and people just start running. It almost reminded me of, like Carrie, when just the chaos we were getting trampled, I think they focus in on one girl mm. who's getting stepped on. Content so, crush. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Sorry I had it. Jen gets saved by Needy, and they walk outside. You see Ahmed's character, who is the exchange student from India. Yes. And it looks like he gets crushed by the ceiling. So they're all outside, and Needy's trying to get Jen out of this trance. The band approaches, and the main singer, Nikolai, he's just drinking a cup of whiskey. And he's like, man, that was crazy. (laughs) Way too chill for someone who just witnessed the fire. Y'all want to get him out of hand, though? Jen's like, sure. And Needy's like, no. Don't do this. Yep. Jennifer's really shaken up and a little bit drunk, but I think it was mostly the shock from witnessing the fire. The lead singer really takes advantage of this, and he even makes a point of saying, like, she's shaken up. Great. This is perfect. We don't exactly find out what happens to Jennifer until after, but, like, this moment, especially knowing that this comes from a female director, I think is a moment that a lot of women probably experience where they're maybe at a club or bar having a good time, and then the untrustworthy person tries to take them into a van or tries to get them away from their friends and i think every friend's group at least i can say has had the person that had to be like more sober than everybody else and keep everybody together i think it's a very like girl yes and it automatically as sad as it is i think for a lot of the female viewers we see her as this van door closes and we automatically think like oh, we know what happens next they assault her they rape her in a way they do well the guys when they have her in the van don't even give a shit about her as like a female they're like yeah oh, i hate girls yeah because really... really she flat out asks them are, like, you, are guys you guys rapists, rapists? 
But it's just interesting how it's even a notch above that. They're stabbing her, and I think we talked about this in previous horror movies. Serial killers that stab people, it's often like a case of them being impotent, so the knife stands for something else. <laughs> so this can be interpreted as that. Or not, they are just assholes sacrificing someone to say Because that's what it seems like, they didn't even give shit. I think, yeah, they were just trying to get rich and famous. But I think considering the real-life case that it's based off of and how they do sexually assault the original. Yeah. girl i do think it's metaphoric for that is it explicitly based on that case so the film I came out it's... and then true crime buffs were like this seems very familiar it seems too similar another thing i didn't include in that fun fact was that the kids who did it went to school and were bragging about it but no one believed them because they're idiots yeah people really need to do their jobs seriously what i thought was like a really weird funny thing that she said he's Skinny, twisted, and evil, like mm-hmm. this tree I saw one time. I love when movies do this. It flashes back to this image of Anita as a kid, and she's looking at this skinny, twisted tree. And the way the band's famous song is through the trees, and at the dance, we have all these trees lit up and everything, and how our mom's saying in the dream, you're pinned to a tree, and like these motifs that come through. Needy goes home super freaked out calling Chip, saying everything that happened. Like, not only was there a fire, but then her friend was taken in this van and she kind of doesn't know what's going on. She hears a person at the door. She's like, stay on the phone with me. She goes out to the front. There's a shadow in the back that you can see because there's light shining in behind mm-hmm. her. When she does close the door, she starts to hear it thumping. She goes to the kitchen, notices that the faucet's on, closes the faucet, and behind her, Jennifer is there smiling blood in the mouth. She has a very good creepy smile. She doesn't really say anything to Needy. She just goes to the fridge and starts eating a whole rotisserie chicken. A whole rotisserie chicken. And then vomits all over. Oh, that scene is so funny because while she's doing this, Anita's like, my mom didn't really want anyone to eat that chicken yet. Yeah, yeah. Poor needy. I know. Oh my god. But the vomit's so like good. this black sludge that almost seems like the venom. Psyche. Needy runs to her cell phone to call for help, presumably 911. Jennifer pins her to the wall, and she's. Again, this is where I thought it was that kind of queer baiting because it's alluding to her eating her, but instead they make it very sexual. She's kissing her neck and. She leaves right after that. We find out when she finally explains what's happening to her that she was almost going to eat her. But she's like, I couldn't do it because I'm such a good friend. Yeah, because I love you so much or Mm -hmm. whatever. You were saying that Jen's almost like a parasitic friend to Needy because she uses her a lot. And you see that when they're just kids in flashbacks too. They're playing with the dolls and he's like, why do you always give me the ugly one? It's a very like mean girls thing (laughs) to Mm -hmm. do. But she is understandably shaken up. She goes to school the next day and everyone's talking about the accident that happened. Jennifer comes up to her completely normal in her cheerleading outfit when the night before she's covered in blood. She looks like a mess. She's like, hey, like, what's up? And he's telling her like, dude, last night, like you ate the whole rotisserie chicken and like threw up this black spiky shit. And Jennifer tells her she's over-exaggerating. She's she like, shows her, oh, her nails yeah. that are covered in the blood Yes, sludge. and she's like, oh, you need a manicure. Just brushes it off completely. I would also like to point out that this film is 2009. There are some comments in this film that are very not okay. She makes comments about how she needs a certain person to fix her nails, and there's other weird things. Yeah. I think they use the word, like the R word, mixed with another. Oh, like, I should have written it down. movies, you're just like, oh, God. As if that makes it better. (laughs) Yeah. The lesbian slur. Lesbian gay. Lesbian gay, yeah. A 
lot of the people who worked on Juno also worked on this film. I hate this time period of the quirky teenage film where they make up their own language. Yeah, Juno was like heavily guilty of this, and then this film also kind of makes up words. I feel like Clueless started it, right? And it did it so seamlessly. It did it so well with as if and these phrases that were just so iconic. But they were actually used. Like nobody exactly. spoke like this in 2000. Yes. Well, it, I think a lot of directors tried to mimic what was done and clueless and it just didn't. Well, when you get a bunch of 30 year olds to take <laughs> Yeah, it just happen. wasn't that's happening. Like it just reminds me so much of Mean Girls. Like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to oh, happen. Yes. I'm oh just like, God. this isn't going to happen. <laughs> so the teacher comes in and it's like, it's a dark day because this again plays into that darker cut of the film where mm-hmm. they were going to show that the community was heavily affected by the loss of all these yeah. kids. The teacher is like naming off who was lost and you can see clips of people in the hallways crying. And he mentions one of the people that we lost was our foreign exchange student, Ahmet from India. And he's got a mechanical yeah, hand. that's what I was going to point out. I, I don't like, know this. What was the point? Well, <laughs> they show it a lot. Out. The camera cuts to it a lot. So I'm like, this means it's something. Candyman? Something. But I don't know what it means. Is it a Candyman? We haven't seen Candyman. It's the hash-slinging slasher. <laughs> yeah, it was like, class, Chip and Needy talk. And Nadie doesn't know what's going on, so Chip's like, dude, you're probably disaffected like everyone else. You mm-hmm. just see a shrink or something. And this is where both Jennifer and Chip are not that great because they no. are gaslighting Nadie. As she's telling Chip about what happened, she comes across one of her friends, Colin. Colin Gray. Colin, Colin Gray. Gray. He's like, hey, I heard that you were there that night. I am just like really mm-hmm. glad that you're okay. She's like, oh, cool, thanks. Chip's kind of like the typical suspicious, jealous boyfriend. He's like, since when are you friends with, with him? Colin Gray. I feel like it's important to mention here, Colin's whole character, again, alludes to the whole pop punk emo scene that was really thriving at the time this movie came out. He's got the black nail polish, the guyliner, mm-hmm. the lip ring, the Very hot all to- that jazz. Very hot topic. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what Needy's telling Chip. Is like, oh, well, he's different. He's deep. He's dark, you know. His, That's what I like um, about him. Yeah. We're in creative writing class together. He has all these interesting yeah. ideas. You said that he does the typical jealous boyfriend thing, but that's what you would do if I had like a friend who was a girl. Well, yeah. it's a typical <laughs> jealous partner. You say it like a bad oh, no, I absolutely would <laughs> Yeah, no, because even as it happens, Needy's looking at him like, oh, you're jealous. <laughs> like, I like that. After the Colin Gray scene, we get the scene of Jonas, the football player. Staring off into the football field. He's really upset because one of his best friends died in the fire. It reminds me of Halloween with the wide shots of the villain coming. You see Jennifer walking towards, but then it like cuts and she's like coming up on him on another side completely. Jen has this conversation with him basically saying that she was one of the last people to speak to Craig and that he would want us to hook up because that's the last thing he told me. That but we, we would, would make a banging couple. And yeah, even Jonas is like, he said banging? Which didn't happen. Obviously, Jen's manipulating him. She leads him into the woods to make out. Woodland creatures start appearing out of nowhere. I wrote down demon Disney princess. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very much. It she was said they're waiting, so I think they were waiting to get the remains of him. When did kill something and see all the animals swarming? Like I mean, never. Have you? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Flies. <laughs> Flies. Interesting to mention here, too. Jennifer's heart 
gets referenced a lot here. She tells Jonas, putting his hand on her breast, and she goes, you feel that? My heart is broken. And he says, mine is too. That's essentially what gets her to kind of seal the deal. I can see how guys gave this bad reviews because it plays into that guys, no matter how sad or how affected they are emotionally, will always they still Chip, after being so affected by Needy, breaking up with later. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chip's not great. Chip, like, starts no. kissing her. And then later, after already having made out a little bit, it's like, no, I can't do this. It's like, it's you're already, you already made, made out with her. her. Yes. But I, and then this guy is like, I miss my friend, but also, so does my But it's so <laughs> interesting <laughs> as the animals are approaching, I think... It's comparing it to this animal instinct that we say that men have. And so it's like a metaphor for that. Or it doesn't matter how sad a man is or whatever, like he's still down. I was going to bring up this fun fact. When the body is eventually found, because the teacher who has a claw for a hand hears Jonas screaming and thinks it's just like a student. Kids morning. Morning, which like this pure teacher. <laughs> but then he hears more screaming and gets suspicious and goes to check it out. He finds the body with a deer eating its stomach, which I thought was odd. Yeah. I don't no. think deer... No. Deer are herbivores. Yeah. 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 Demon deer. The scene when the body is discovered and the parents find out what happened, the father is actually played by the voice of Patrick Star. And <laughs> yeah. the uncut version, Patrick... I'm just going to call him Patrick Star. Yeah. I don't know the voice actor, actor of Patrick Star. He's cursing whoever killed his son, but the scene is cut, and if you actually watch the scene, it sounds like Patrick Starr yeah, cursing. Seen... You gave me the ugly! <laughs> Which is supposed to depict a very sad scene, obviously, but I think... It is a sad scene. Audiences who know this voice right. actress, Patrick, would not <laughs> yeah. have taken it seriously. Yeah, they cut it out. I thought it was a very sad scene when his mom's crying, and on her knees she's wailing, and his dad just looks like, whoa. Yeah, this happened. I was thinking about how like, the mom's knees buckle, and I was thinking, like, I've never been so sad that I've fallen to my knees. Yeah. Absolutely. It is that to knock you off so head. I think they made the right call in not keeping that scene in just because so many people from our generation. I think it would have made it more comedic. It would <laughs> yeah. have when they were aiming to make a dark impact. Because when I watched it, I was like, the next thing we have is Jennifer swimming in the lake. They're playing very menacing music. She's, she's naked. She's doing it to wash off evidence. It's um, funny when you don't watch it from that point of view. Because I think when I was younger, I did watch it that way. I was like, what's with this sexy scene? But today I was like, oh yeah, she's washing off evidence. When you listen to too many true crime episodes. Because she washes herself off again later in the pool. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me think, like, this has more symbolism than I originally thought. Because you know how they're saying, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but she's like, oh, like, JC, Jesus Christ, baptism, holy water, cleansing herself of her cleansing, sins. Cleansing, yes. Yeah. So Jen calls Needy afterward and is, like, lighting her tongue on fire and oh. seeing it heals. That the was Iconic cool. scene. It yeah. is, but I feel scrunches is, yeah. like, used a lot. And he's like, what the fuck? People are dead. Yeah. But she does. Uh, I'm guilty because I'm just like, damn, she looks bomb in this scene. Like, she's like glowing for real. I think they do a really good job with those visuals. It's interesting, like the intricate little details, because I even notice when she's just murdered someone, her lips are like very full. And when enough time has passed and she's murdered someone, they get very thin and, like, brittle. Yeah, exactly. But she's feeling herself totally. I am a god. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) 
Again, iconic quote. When she's on the phone with Jen, though, Anita gets a call from Chip, and Jen's like, oh my god, Dolphin, where are you? Again, I think this is one of those scenes that depicts the power struggle between Chip and Jennifer over Needy. And I think one of the reasons Jennifer eventually does go after Chip is because she's like tired of this. But Chip calls her saying like, yo, I need to talk to someone. Something bad has happened. And we get Needy going. She's like had it with Jennifer. She's like, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'm going to go hang out with Chip. We cut to a scene in class again where Jennifer is looking like doo-doo for Megan Fox's standards (laughs) and this is one month after killing Jonas Jennifer says it's probably wearing off and Needy goes like what the fuck you talking about Jennifer's like forget it right change the subject the teacher's also talking about the dance coming and that low shoulder has decided to give back to the town where the tragedy happened and it's Mm -hmm. like we're gonna give back three percent of all our proceeds for the album because they made that song through the trees through the trees trees. and he's like what about the other 97 percent like isn't that a little fucking like they're just using us yeah Yeah. and that other girl in the class is like no it's not true they're great it spurs (laughs) this whole fight between the same girl in the beginning of the movie that accuses needy of being a lesbian be gay she's saying we need this band more than ever right you know they're helping us heal they're whatever but needy is the only one being critical and i think that goes back to vivi's point of her just being continuously gaslighted through this whole film when she's the only one that has like the slightest clue of what's going on she's literally there yeah exactly And she's trying to tell this girl, and she's like, I saw it. It's true. It was on the Wikipedia, which, what a sentence. What a sentence. (laughs) When Needy is basically narrating and saying that a month has passed, the line that she says that is important is that everyone had a real tragedy boner for Devil's Kettle. And I feel like that's uh, kind of relevant today because it can be a commentary on the way true crime communities treat people's real lives yeah which is interesting now you know i think that there's more to that though because there are towns and there are people who will use things like that to make their towns blow up on a map i guess alluding to creepy content i've been watching eleanor neal on youtube as i recommended she oh my god the case with her last name's funko She's this Asian girl, 41 Days of Torture. 40, yes, 40. Yes, yes, that, yes. That's a horrible story. It is. But I was browsing through her comments and, you know, the comments, they happen after the video ends. Mm-hmm. And they're commenting on the whole video, right? And someone had the audacity under someone's comment to go, spoiler alert, I haven't finished watching the video yet. And someone replies like, bitch, this is someone's real murder. How dare you say spoiler alert like it's a movie? That's true. Like oh my that's God, that is so I was up. so sick by it, dude. Like I was like So many things are wrong with that statement. Like spoiler alert. This was someone's life. I don't know, man. After the scene where Navy points out how sketchy low shoulder is, Colin goes to ask Jennifer out on a date. I thought this whole interaction was pretty funny because she was just like, oh, can I borrow your English homework on Hamlet? She was like, is Hamlet going to fuck his mom? And Colin's looking at her like she's crazy. I think one of the things that's cool about Jennifer's character is you think she's dumb, but I think it's all an act. Yeah. Because that's very clearly an Oedipus Oedipus reference. She knows the lit enough to know that this is one of those stories. And I did not know that in high school. Yes. She also says this thing that I think shows... She's smarter than she leads on. She's like, PMS isn't real. It was invented by boy media. And even though she says it so like 
casually. Casually, she's right up on it. It was so on on point. I did love that line too, you know, because I feel like generally as girls, I think we hide it very well because we like kind of know that we have to, right? We can't let on that it affects us as much as it does. Even Colin doesn't pick up on this, right? I wanted to ask you on a date to see Rocky Horror. She straight up says, I don't like boxing movies. And he's looking at her like, oh my god, you're so fucking stupid. I think she knows that acting stupid is the best way to get out of a date. Side note, I love Rocky Horror. Let's do the hand drive. (laughs) Oh my god. Let's do time warp again. It's so good. It's not until after Needy says, oh, he's super nice. That she likes Colin. Mm -hmm. Yes. Little does Needy know she's stealing his fate by saying that she likes him because he's nice. So she goes back to him and is like, yeah, I'll go on the date with you. Needy decides to go hang out with Chip that night. Jen's telling Colin, like, meet me at this address. I'll see you there. And he's driving. I guess hyping himself up for this date, but he goes into this shady ass neighborhood. You were saying it seems like a production area where they're building the houses? Yeah, it seems like, you know, when they're building condos, but they're not done. That's what this neighborhood looks like. Still in development. He finally Mm. gets off. And I was thinking about how this is pre Google Maps on your phone because he's got like a flip phone in his hand. And I was like, I can't imagine having to have to look (laughs) for addresses this way because he doesn't even have MapQuest in his hand. (laughs) Baby boomers are shaking their heads like, oh, this damn millennials i can't get anywhere without gps print print out the map quest yes that's where i was going with this when my parents did not know where we were going and we had to print out map quest for them and they even still checked the map quest like they didn't believe it they're like no i shouldn't take this road and i'm like that's what it says took us like an hour before even leaving (laughs) yeah colin pulls up to this house and is trying to shine his light Mm -hmm. meanwhile chip and needy are about to have sex it's very (laughs) awkward you guys pointed out that it's like these adults that have to act like teenagers having yeah, sex for the really first time. time yeah it wasn't their first time I know it wasn't their first no because he says oh i bought more condoms yes that yeah but they were still very awkward about it does he say something about the flavoring oh he's like i got the kind that will feel good like, for girls yeah she's yeah, like, yeah very cool and then he just slaps it on she's like wow like, it's a very funny scene where she's looking under the sheets like what's happening and he's like, like trying to m- mesmerized <laughs> and he's like having a hard time shit am i doing this right <laughs> yeah as colin is like First of all, going above and beyond to meet Jennifer at this date because he shows up to a sketchy location. There isn't a lot of light. He has to break in. He's wearing a tie. And he still meets her there. I was like, that's too much to go through for a date. He was mesmerized by the Akon music. That's true. (laughs) You know, Akon will get you every single time. (laughs) As she's like weirdly seducing him, Needy and... Young Neil. Young Neil. They're doing it. It's very awkward. And she's having a vision. She sees the quarterback, Jonas. He almost looks regal. He's in this king's throne. And that's when we see Jennifer standing over him like a gargoyle. There's also blood pouring out yes. the ceiling. Isn't there like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of reference? I thought that was. Oh, like uh, yeah. when Johnny Depp's character dies? Yeah. The blood's like yeah like slashing and everywhere it could be i think there is a lot of horror movie references i think so we probably didn't catch yeah that's a good one she feels like it's dripping on her face but she's also crying she's not catching the vibe at all she's kind of squealing the stage right before screaming and chip's thinking like 
damn, doing such a good job. He like really she's, is himself yeah. At this point. I think that's mm-hmm. what makes it worse later when he's like, I made love to you for four minutes. I was like, bro, what? <laughs> that's not something to brag about. He's like so happy. And he's like, am I too big? Yes. Like, Dude, that's not even what's happening here. That's not what's going on. Meanwhile, Colin finds Jen. He's like, this isn't your house, is it? Like, oh, bro, how long did it take you to figure that one out? <laughs> I mean, you had to break in the front door that had a bunch of wood on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No windows. Yeah. But Colin is nervous. Jen is trying her typical normal moves, but Colin is but it's, different. Yeah, he is different. I think it's worth mentioning. He's holding a rosary, and while Jennifer's kind of making his advances to him, he's nervously clutching it. He's rubbing the beads. He's definitely showing all the signs for someone that's apprehensive. But he's really clutching onto this rosary like it's gonna fix everything. It plays into the fact that because he's like the quote-unquote emo kid that he's Mm -hmm. more in tune with his emotions and Mm -hmm. I don't like when movies do this because it basically makes it so that a boy who is emotional is weaker than the rest. Mm -hmm. didn't have to make him this type of character to make him play this role. I feel Mm -hmm. like Colin is the most sympathetic character that she does Does kill. Does this too. Because he's just nice. He's not trying to yeah he just wanted to go on a date with her when colin's finally getting attacked by jen he -hmm. notices that her eyes change into that yellow yeah Yeah. it is very cool jen repeats some things i need you scared yeah you're not hopeless enough you're not afraid enough presumably her victim being more fearful helps her gain more power it helps her be more full quote unquote and again one of those scenes that paints the metaphor for sexual assault where it's not so much about having sex yeah it's about having power over your victim. exactly while jennifer is drinking his blood it zooms in on his rosary and it's broken and so that's what makes me feel like it's a reference to a lot of horror movies particularly i think like the exorcist when they think like oh an exorcism will help right we have the bible we have the rosary whatever but once they destroy those sorts of artifacts it's like game over <laughs> like your protection's gone <laughs> so. the phrase that the demon and the exorcist says and it's like today's a good day for an exorcism it's like, well, a t-shirt yeah, that says that yeah. your mother sucks cocks in hell i remember watching the scene back in high school they don't actually show the kill mm-hmm. they show the shadow of the kill and i remember being like oh my god megan fox is so skinny because her shadow is like Tiny. And one of the fun facts, Megan Fox lost weight for the role and got down to 97 pounds. Yeah. It makes sense because even as we were watching this, I just kept thinking that, like, she looks so thin, but, like, not even. I remember watching this in high school Mm -hmm. and did not think that she looked skinny, but. The 2000s was the time of low-rise jeans. The it really was. Our existence where you had to be very mm-hmm. skinny. And you saying like, oh my God, she was 90-something pounds. I was 90-something pounds yeah. my senior year of high school. Yeah. I was a bobblehead. I was a yeah. bobblehead on the skinny body. I was like, no, I no, it was, it was true. And gosh. The early 2000s was not a good time to be a teenager. No, it wasn't. I'm very petite i'm very short i'm like four foot eight right and at this time i was like 82 pounds and that was the norm which sucks it was normal it was normal megan fox's character at one point has the look 
that I would categorize. This time in my life is unhealthy. Your teeth and your mouth are protruding. They're protruding. And your lips look so big, even though they're not. And your nose looks so big. Like, all your facial features look too big for your face. Because it was normal. It was normal to be... It is fucked up to be so thin. Because I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to look. And I'm watching it now, like, these girls are so fucking thin. Like, that's not, that's not okay. (laughs) Like, that's... That was not a good time. Yeah. The whole mean girl, Regina George. I need to lose five Mm -hmm. pounds. And they look normal. Yeah. And that was like everything. Anyway. Yeah, so anyway, Colin's dead. So Colin's dead. (laughs) Colin's good soup because she's drinking his blood. Nikki leaves crying from Chip's place and drives off. Almost runs Jen over because Mm -hmm. she pulls out of the forest and then just drives off. She's like, fuck, I didn't care that it was my friend. Jen jumps onto her car and smashes the window in. So Nidhi gets home and she's calling out for her mom. That part really hit me because that just shows like the teenagers. When you're afraid, it's like you really regress and you're just you want your mommy. She's on the couch and she's sobbing and she's like, mom, mom. Even though she knows her mom's at work. You can't help but to sob like for your parent because that's like your innate response. She goes to her room. Jennifer's in her bed. Normal. Just (laughs) like looking as normal as ever. Needy screams and they make up. Obviously, the natural progression <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah. And this is where she tells her you're wearing my evil dead shirt. shirt. It's weird because it's such a girl thing of like, you stole my clothes. Yes, <laughs> it is. We do get exposition from Jen saying Finally. this is exactly how it all went down. And she talks about the night of the bar being burned mm-hmm. down. Low shoulder, took her in the van. They finally mm-hmm. tie her to this boulder over by the Devil's Kettle, which again is that whirlpool. The waterfall. I just want to point out how I feel like this is very important to this film. The girls constantly think that virginity is going to protect them because they're like, are you sure she's a virgin? And Jen's like, yes, I'm a virgin. I've never done the sex. She's pleading with them. She goes, I'm not the girl you want because I'm so inexperienced. But paradoxically, that's exactly what they want. So sad. (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. It makes me so sad. But the waterfall. When the band Low Shoulder is doing the ritual on Jennifer, um, the lead singer is explicitly telling her what they're going to do to her beforehand. He says, we're going to sacrifice your body to Satan. On this day, we're sacrificing Jennifer's body to Satan. So it's a, like a direct call out to the movie's the title. Ritual. Yeah, These dudes are really weird because they're too they're into what they're doing. They don't even really give a shit. They seem emotionless. And they're like, look, yeah. honestly, we just wanted you here because we're going to offer you up to the devil. We're an indie band. Do you know how hard it is nowadays? to become famous. Make it as an indie band. Like, yeah. unless you create a single that's put in a movie, you won't make it. So they're like, that's honestly all we want. The guy, like, even plays with the way that they're about to stab her. He's and telling her, like, in so much detail what's gonna happen. He's loving it. That was, like, weird to me when he's like, do you want to be a loser or do you want to be Maroon 5? Oh my god. Yes. And I'm like, He's thing. telling, because there's <laughs> one band member one band member only. I don't think we should do this. You want to be a loser? You want to be the Maroon 5 dude? And it's like, shit. Like, that's all it took to convince (laughs) you. I like early Maroon 5. So is the guy from Fall Out Boy, just saying. Oh, oh yeah, Eric hates Fallout Boy and he hates Brendan Urie. I like early Fallout Boy. You hate Fall Brendan Urie? I like early yeah. Panic at the Disco. <laughs> Just saying. We were in five, played at the Super Bowl, and they were like, Atlanta! <laughs> 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 but Panic at the Disco has a song on the soundtrack. The most 
popular song on the soundtrack. That really Other just... than Through the Trees. Fuck that song. I hate it. <laughs> Okay. New perspective is what makes people think of Jennifer's body, not through the trees. So they're about to stab her, and then they start singing a song. Jenny's girl. It's a play on Chess's girl. This is all a flashback. In present day, Jennifer is telling Anita what happened to her. She's trying to reassure her almost and being like, it's okay though, because I lived. Needy is like... But what if you didn't? What if you died? Jennifer's like, bitch, please. I'm right here in front of you. Watch me cut my arm. She cuts it. It heals right in front of Needy's eyes. Jennifer tells her, look, when I'm hungry, I need to go for these boys. I need to drink their blood. When I'm full, I'm beautiful again. My hair is full. My skin's clear, whatever. But when I'm hungry, quote unquote, I'm ugly. And so that's what confirms it for us. Oh, okay, it's after she commits these murders that she's beautiful all of a sudden again. Do you think that's a commentary on her only feeling powerful when she's beautiful? Absolutely. I yes. feel like this scene is very loaded. When she's she has really control back. back. Power mm-hmm. from men, which is probably why men don't like this movie. And there's <laughs> the whole fact that she feels like her value's tied to how she appears. Mm-hmm. But then there's the I'm almost unkillable thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something very interesting about when she says, I was murdered, but then I remember making my way back to you, commenting on how like her most important relationship was her relationship to Needy. She had so many like insecurities and she treated her badly, but at the end of the day, that's who she wanted to return to. That's when we get the story of how she also ate on it, who survived the bar somehow, even though the roof fell on. Yeah. Apparently he escaped, and Jennifer runs into him afterwards. Unfortunately, he has a not-so-happy ending. Needy kind of just has it at this point, right? And she's like, you're nuts. Get out of here. And so Jennifer takes a lot of offense to that. She's like, fine, I'm out. She climbs out the window, and when Needy looks out of it, She's gone. She just poof, disappears. This is a reference to Halloween when Michael gets shot out the window oh, and yeah. they go to see where his body is and it's gone. Uh-huh. I think it is at least. Needy takes this time to go to her local school library and research the occult. Mm-hmm. I don't think my high school had an occult section. I could be wrong. Chip asks her, like, we have an occult section? And she's like, yeah. it's very small. She starts seeing the stuff about, like, demon possession and mm-hmm. she's like, you can kill someone who's got a demon in them. She also finds out that in that ritual, mm-hmm. what can happen if you don't have a virgin, the person could survive and get some of that power. Yes, because it's an impure sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the out. demon will take possession of the sacrifice's yes. body. The ritual will also succeed, so the people who are looking to get the ritual to give them power will also still get that power. And Whereas why you don't mess with witchcraft unless you know because you, you don't know. know for sure. Had Jennifer been a virgin, it would have gone exactly as she had planned. Jennifer would have died. I will say that there is a law in occult practices that whatever you do unto others comes back to you threefold, which kind of yes. will play at the end. We were thinking about this recently when we went to the Sleepy Hollow event. They allowed you to put curses on people. They had a book. You could rip the pages out and you could write a curse. There were people who were like serious about it. There was somebody who like was like, fuck my old boss. People who were like, fuck that bitch Jenny. Just yeah. random things, you know? <laughs> yeah. I cursed you with 100 birthdays, so we'll have that many uh, episodes. You know? So, you know. Yeah. 127? I'm turning 28. Oh, yeah, so 127 birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when this episode's out, it's already January. Right? It's my actual birthday when this episode is released, right? Yeah. It's my bonus birthday episode. Happy oh, birthday to Vivi. Okay. Well, but, Needy, after finding out all this stuff at the library, she tries to warn Chip. 
she's telling him, like, don't go to this dance because everyone has been in the background while all this has been happening, mm-hmm. preparing themselves for the spring formal. I wish our school was like this because we didn't have super cool spring formals. I've always wanted to live in a TV slash movie world where shit was fun. I will like, say that I think that teenage experience, the teenage dream, is super overplayed. Because say we did have dances like this, it would still would have been awkward. I mean, there yeah. still would have been yeah. drama. But it would have been cool. Listen, I have stories from our high school homecoming okay. that sound very much like this movie. Okay. Okay. Was the background at least cool? No. That's why. You could have at least said it. The background was drama. <laughs> Yes. But she's warning Chip to not go because mm-hmm. she's like, it's going to be an all-you-can-eat buffet. She's going to kill everybody. Yes. And Chip's like, the hell? This is my favorite thing, though. I already got you a corsage. Chip just cares about going to the dance with his girlfriend. And yeah. so Needy dumps him. She's like trying to protect him from Jennifer. Yeah. And, and she's like, the only way I know how to protect you is by us not being together. If she no longer sees you as a threat, maybe she won't come after you. Maybe. What I didn't understand was, okay, she's got this demon power. She has to eat to continue to have the power. To be beautiful. Limitless, right? But then when the dance is going to happen, he's like, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's like, she doesn't have to eat a lot. She just has to eat some. One you know? person. Yeah. So I don't know Keep why he's nice. so... Yeah, right. <laughs> she's gonna kill the whole high school and not get found. Yeah. Know? It seems like Jennifer was being smart about the way she was doing these killings. Because even mm-hmm. when she takes on that, she's like, Does your family know you're gone? Does anybody else know you're alive? She's being careful. She's not mm-hmm. picking and choosing in a dumb way. All right, so Chip is getting ready for the dance, and his mom's like, Here's this pepper spray. And he's like, I don't need this. And she's I could like, There's a myself. killer out there. He's like, I've been doing the mm-hmm. Bowflex. She's looking at him like, Dude, you need this pepper spray. Yeah. <laughs> what I think is funny is usually when this montage happens in movies the nerdy girl becomes the pretty girl mm-hmm. and they keep amanda looking how she's like the entire movie mm-hmm. i like that they don't do like a montage a dramatic makeover when obviously it's the nerdy girl who is very clearly a very nice looking person in the beginning just because mm-hmm. she has glasses she's ugly i hate that trope so much <laughs> do you think that they gave her a puffy dress though to still be like she's nerdy i thought it was very strange because it was a very 80s dress and it jennifer was. is not even wearing a better dress she's wearing a very early 2000s did not age well dress it looks like a goth wedding dress i yeah. i think both dresses were to the style of the times yeah but they're at this badass dance that i wish i could go to needy's looking for jen <laughs> You want to go to a high school dance? I don't want to go to a high school dance. I just want to go to a theme dance game. <laughs> we just need to have a house where we can throw these theme parties. <laughs> but Needy has been waiting for Jen to show up. What I found very interesting about the interaction between Jennifer and Chip is that Jennifer basically tells Chip. She knows she has to lie to him and yes. say that Needy has been cheating on you with Colin and that's why she was very upset at his funeral I'm gonna take this chance to say that I've always had a crush on you as well they're outside of the school this whole time they're like in the courtyard by the trees and through the trees if you will oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so Chip is obviously devastated and um, Jennifer taking advantage of him in this vulnerable state she goes in for the kill right she starts kissing him The phrase (laughs) fits very well. Going in for the kill. And he's not saying no. He kisses her back. And this is the part that I found very interesting that you should analyze in their relationship. She tells Chip, tell me I'm better than Needy. While they're kissing. He's like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Showing her insecurity. And while she has always felt She's always felt this need to assert dominance over Needy for a reason, right? It's because she's always been jealous of her. And this is where it really 
comes to light. While Jennifer's kissing Chip and Edie's listening to the band play through the trees, she she drops her glass of punch and she touches her lips because she knows what's happening. She gasps and she runs out of the dance to go and rescue Chip because she knows what's about to go down. I feel like I pointed this out and Eric was like, no, she took off her heels because I hate that trope <laughs> of like women running in heels. I can't even walk in heels. Maybe it's a personal vendetta that I have, but I hate the trope of like, running in heels but she does run out to i think it's like a park yeah it's big as hell it's open it's huge yeah. and then there's like an abandoned public pool which mm-hmm. is where the final showdown happens i love this part but right before she's about to approach this public pool she stops because she sees the $12 corsage that <laughs> chip got her for the dance she kneels over it and it's the perfect shade of pink that matches her dress. She's looking at this corsage like, oh, damn, you know, whatever. And then she hears Chip scream and that kind of breaks her out of the trance. The part that I find super funny about this is that he's like, I paid $12 for mm-hmm. your corsage. Oh, for a high, high school? school? <laughs> oh, it's so much. $12 is so much. I thought money. it was so cute. I remember... My high school prom, my high school sweetheart at the time, sorry. Um, We went to different high schools. So obviously the assumption was he would come to my prom, I would go to his. The money was such a big deal. Like he was working at Wendy's. I think my prom cost 75 per ticket. And it was such a big deal because he was like, I'm going to go to your prom. I'll pay the 75 because it means a lot to you. And I was like, what about yours? And he was like, that's $50. Like, babe, like that's so expensive, you know? And so a $12 corsage is a big, a big deal. Every dollar counts when you're in high school. It really you know? does. If you are a person who comes from a low income neighborhood it is, like we were. Yes. Prom was all of us were a very big deal. Oh my god, I could, t- I could probably do a whole episode about how prom is like this whole teenage mm-hmm. dream and it's yeah. very over hyped. Yeah. We were all from the south side of Chicago, guys. Like it was rough out here. We didn't have the money to splurge and so your parents don't have the money to splurge. Exactly. Because uh, I'm so lame. I married my prom date from high school. I didn't. I still have my prom corsage. Oh, yeah. That someone gave me. It's literally yeah. sitting right here in the studio. Oh. Uh, it's now sitting next to Eric's wedding boutonniere <laughs> because it's from the same person. That's so Because I'm so lame. So cute. Uh, married the same person. I know. Yeah. I always tell Enrique, like, why didn't you ask me to prom? <laughs> and he's like, I know you. And I'm like, that's no excuse. <laughs> so Jennifer has led Chip, Chip to this kind of weird abandoned public pool. It's funny because Jennifer is saying, I feel so empty inside because she's hungry. Mm-hmm. But Chip is saying that he feels empty inside because maybe just broke up with him mm-hmm. and he's going through something. Different kind of empty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, well, let's make out some more and we'll feel better. This is where Chip decides that it's no longer okay to make out with Jennifer. Mm-hmm. But he's it was- been making out with her this whole time. Okay, look, I guess... If we want to say that Chip's like an asshole because he was kissing her anyway, he's in a vulnerable state. She took advantage of that. When Chip's like, I don't want to kiss anymore, get away from me. She throws him in the pool and is like, Mm -hmm. alright, fuck it, I'm just going to do this the old-fashioned way. Because she doesn't cope with rejection well. Needy finds Jennifer has taken a big chunk out of Chip's neck. You're thinking he's dead. (laughs) You would think so. 
she jumps into the pool immediately to kind of fight off Jennifer. And they have this interchange of like, fuck you, no fuck you, not fuck you, not fuck you. And then she pepper sprays her. That's what kind of throws her off balance. Yeah, that's when she starts levitating. She yeah. can't fucking fly. She's just levitating. Like it's not that impressive. <laughs> and she was like, God, you have to undermine everything, everything I, I do. Which is such a line that I feel like, ugh. You feel that when you have girlfriends or anything. It's really reinforces how insecure he is. Yeah, even though this film follows Needy, and though you could say they edited it to make it so that Megan Fox's character was more prominent, I feel there was layers to her character that we were not getting. And you get it in lines like this. So even though Needy probably feels like she's the victim in their relationship, there's a part of Jennifer that also feels feels like she's the victim in their relationship as well. It's just complicated from the get-go. So they have this very telling confrontation where they're just kind of like yelling truths at each other. I think Jesse mentioned it earlier when she was like, God, did you have to go after Chip? Was it just to get under my skin? Jennifer is like, I could have anyone I want. It doesn't have to be about you. Mm -hmm. And It's very much like you're no longer relevant. You had to take a laxative just to be skinny again. Very, very teenage girl problems that I do not miss at all. You haven't been socially relevant since the ball two years ago. Which, like, who cares? This is very telling of their relationship. Unexpectedly, Chip (laughs) just stabs Jennifer. With a random pole. That thing looked thick, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thick (laughs) pole cleaning net. It's very weird. She's, like, boning, and she's, like, got a tampon. I love that line, because I think... Okay, when she's levitating and she's talking all this shit, Needy calls her a jerk. I love this line where she's like, nice comeback, Hannah yeah, Montana. Okay. Got any more Hirsch digs? What a generational show. Yeah, I Chip's dying. He literally uses his last bit of energy to stab Jennifer with this pool cleaning net. And Jen leaves. And he's like, no. I don't think I even wrote any quotes down. I was just like, yeah, very touching. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. All he says is like, you look beautiful in that dress. And she's clearly delusional. And then he dies. It's cute, but honestly, which I think what the whole film is getting at. Yeah, That's literally Chip dying forever. Chip dying um, is that Needy and Jennifer's relationship has way more depth than Chip and Needy's. Which we get in these kind of final scenes. Mm-hmm. It's reverted back to the beginning of the movie where Jen is watching that infomercial. She's like circling boys in the yearbook that she wants to eat. Yeah. Yes. Yum. Yum. <laughs> Needy shows up to the window and attacks her. My tit. That's literally her last <laughs> word. Okay. Needy breaks into her room mm-hmm. with a box cutter. <laughs> I don't even know why she pointed it out. She's like, you know what this mm-hmm. is? It's a box cutter. And it's like, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I know. Again, very telling of the times. You Jennifer. Vagina reference. She goes, very butch yeah. of you to steal your murder weapon from Home Depot. Again, another one of those oh, lines that's oh, like oh. unnecessary, just like the lesbian thing. Jennifer bites Needy. That's where she gets the powers in the first place. Mm-hmm. Jennifer is hovering. They have the fight 
in midair, and it's not until Needy rips off her BFF necklace that has been referenced throughout the film that Jennifer kind of collapses. She stops fighting her. She becomes immobile when yeah. she rips this BFF necklace off of her. Which, again, I think comments on the complexity of their relationship, where it's possible that her relationship to Needy was the only thing keeping her human at this point. And when Needy broke off that tie is when she's like no longer willing to fight. Needy pretty much lands on her stabbing her in the heart. I'm sorry. I took a film theory class in college and I think I'm the shit. But um, I know, right? But when we focus on the language of it, it's so interesting how Jennifer undermines it. And she's like, you hit my tit. And I think throughout the whole film, we see Jennifer undermining a whole lot of the shit that's going down. But for the first time, not not for the first time, but maybe the first time that it sinks in for Jennifer is when Needy tells her, like, nah, it's not just your tit, sis. Like, I stabbed your heart. And that's when Jennifer's like, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> like, like, I'm dead. I hate to take it back to this, but then I also don't hate to take it back to this because this is a female director. She did mm-hmm. this on purpose. Yeah. I think it comments on how women constantly have to underline their feelings and never say what they actually feel. So I yeah. think she knew what she was doing. I have to downplay it and just almost even like laugh it off to be like, oh, you stabbed my tip. Correction, it's a big deal. <laughs> Jennifer obviously dies after being stabbed in the uh-huh. heart. We get this scene where Jennifer's mother walks in on the murder scene. We see for the first time. Literally not in this whole film. I always think about these teenager movies when their parents are never around. Yeah, you see that in animes all the time. (laughs) They're just like going out and about without their parents caring. And let me say, this is very much not a person of color family because a person of color family, your parents would be so involved. Oh my god. Why? Why from, did you fart? Dude, right from the fire. They wouldn't have, like, let her out of the house. No. <laughs> they would have beat your ass for being there. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Who told you to go? Exactly. You didn't tell me you were going to be there. Why were you a part of this tragedy? You started <laughs> like, the fire, didn't you, you asshole? You did it. Like, don't tell them that you did it. Oh, my God. But You should have been burning the fire because I'm going to kick your ass worse. Honestly, that's Mexican parents for you. But that's not what happened. (laughs) That's not what happened in this movie, obviously. Yes. So her mother walks in on the murder scene. It's very strange because her mother is grieving Jennifer, but Needy's like freaking out after what happened. She saw the murder. She's still there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the next scene is her being in the mental Uh, institution. Like She talks about how being bitten by Jennifer is probably the luckiest thing that happened to her because mm-hmm. she got demon transference of power. She is actually meditating and floating. She is in solitary and she has reached the window and kicks it down because she's the kicker. And that is how she escapes the mental institution. We get a pretty feel-good ending. She mm-hmm. walks in on this the end of the, what would you call it? If it was the devil's kettle's mouth, it's like the devil's kettle's butthole. She's walking out of town. Because <laughs> the, the devil's butthole. And the knife are here now. <laughs> And she just walks yes. on it, that's what I was saying. Yeah. The cops should have found this, because all she did was just walk out yes. of town. But she finds the knife. The guy. murder weapon that was used on Jennifer, mm-hmm. so it's very poetic. She's walking in this road, this really creepy old man. It, it, he comes off creepy, but then he just, like, I guess, takes her. 
We don't know because she's also part demon. So if he tried anything creepy on her, she couldn't. She wouldn't have let that happen. Very reminiscent of the time of like the 70s and 80s when hitchhiking was popular, but it was very dangerous and you ran the risk of running into serial killers. Yeah. She tells the guy, I'm heading east because I'm following Yes. He's like, must be some hell of a band. And she's like, oh, it's going to be their last show tonight. (laughs) Yes. The end credits literally show low shoulder partying it up in their hotel room while they're on their national tour, apparently. They're balling because they got yes. all kinds of fancy clothes and jewelry on. Yeah, and they're doing all these drugs and the hotel is very what have flashy. you. And then Needy shows up. It's this montage of photographs that you're seeing, right? So the first set of photographs is like, woo, we're partying. They're doing like a vlog. Yes. And then the next set is literally just blood on the door, blood in the bathtub, these dudes lying, dead. Exactly, crime scene photos. The viewer already knows, like, oh, that was needy. She was here. But to solidify it, at the very end, the last thing you see is this security camera footage, and it stops on this still of needy in a hoodie, just as she was in the opening scene of Jennifer's window, walking down that hallway of that hotel room. As a bunch of groupies go and mm-hmm. discover the dead body. Yeah, because they scream, right? Really? Oh my god, they're in here, you know? And I just love it because even at the end of everything, while we're in Needy's bedroom in this mental institution, she has this frame photo of Chip, but her very last action, right, is this sort of redemption arc for Jennifer. Jennifer. It- just goes to show you how deep female relationships go where mm-hmm. even though they were kind of bad for each other or not the best Absolutely. They were teams, at the end of the day her mindset is revenge for jennifer and i think that would kind of bring this into the good for her genre of horror films mm-hmm. i don't know if it's talked about when we talk about that genre because it's fairly new but her best friend does end up getting revenge for jennifer And Mm -hmm. it's kind of also this awakening for Needy where she's no longer the victim of her relationships and takes control of herself. Yeah. So I'm going to vote for it for being a good for her genre of horror films. Not good for Jen. Not good for Jen. Good for Needy. (laughs) Not good for Chippy. Not good for Jen. Although, I guess I'll take that back. For Jen, it was cool because she definitely like accepted her power. I think at heart, she was always an alpha for sure. But no, I think it goes to show these like deeper dynamics of their relationships because she loved Needy so much. But at the same time, it's like she was insecure in her presence because she knew like how deep down if Needy had just recognized what she was capable of, Jennifer would easily be like the quote unquote weaker of the two. Yeah, the weaker link. I I do agree with Vivi in the sense that it's like almost like good for both of them. I think Chip's kind of the main loser. (laughs) That's sad to say, but the only one that didn't really get justice in this film. But because Needy kills Jennifer for Chip, but also Chip was the side character in this film. And I can see why that upset male audiences mm-hmm. at the time yeah not to say that now male audiences couldn't watch this film and recognize and appreciate and it and appreciate yeah. it but it, it definitely has a cult following as uh, so i'm saying megan fox resurgence because yeah. <laughs> this sort of stuff is being recognized now and i'm here for it i'm so here for it so 
having seen the movie, what do you guys rate it? Mm. Oh my god. Shoot. I don't think it was scary at all. It wasn't scary. Oh, but I love the underlying theme, so I'm gonna give it 8.5. 8.5 out of 10. I really like it. I definitely think watching this film, being older and recognizing that the first line is, hell is being a teenage girl. Yes. I would never go back to this time period in my life. I I know. (laughs) Encapsulates it very well. I feel like at 17, I would have been like, because that was the age I was when I first saw this movie, I would have been like, how dramatic. (laughs) But now I look back at it and I'm like, no, 17 is very dramatic. (laughs) So I want to give it a nine. Because yeah. I don't feel like there's a lot of horror movies that I've seen yet that capture this kind of like time period. I think Ginger Snaps is a film that maybe covers the same. I haven't seen that movie in years, so I don't remember. But that whole like puberty as being like a monster theme, we didn't even touch on that, on how puberty is considered like the other, the monstrosity oh, in people. I don't know. I think it's very underrated for the time that it was released. Some yeah. of the jokes are outdated. Not very uh, woke. Yeah. No, not at all. But The themes are great, so I, I would give it a 9 mm-hmm. out of 10. Yeah. So absolutely. as the dude Ooh. in the show, what would you rate it, Eric? I wasn't scared at all. At all. No. But it, it is good. I could still give it like maybe a 7 and a half. 7.5. That's yeah. still way higher than the IMDb rating. Oh. It was good. I think the dialogue was bad. But it's campy. The scary part is this can happen in real life. Uh, like we said, we found that there's a real life true mm-hmm. crime story that is of this nature and people are trash. <laughs> so the moral of the story <laughs> is that everyone is trash. Unfortunately, Enrique had to leave a little earlier so he can't give his own you rating. You know what? We'll text him and then maybe me and Eric will add his rating later. Oh, uh, that would be good. Yes. Yeah. Because I think the multiple perspectives would be good for two this dudes. type two of film. Dudes, yeah. Dudes. Keep it balanced. Like like I, think I think it's... cool. No, I think that's a fairly high rating for... I agree with you that some of the dialogue is outdated and it's not super scary. Trying to be clueless. Yeah. <laughs> I think female horror is so rare, so it's good to see. While we were watching this, what scared Loki? I don't think he was necessarily scared by anything. He was more worried about the fact that there were so many people in the house not paying attention to him, and he was like, what the heck? He loves Yes, and Enrique, though. Yeah, he gets so excited. But the crickets in the movie were also what was catching his attention. <laughs> Always crickets. If you've listened to us all the way to this point, you know that nature sounds and loud sounds are what scares Loki. Yeah. You want to tell us about it, Loki? All right, I'm sorry. I don't think we're going to stop watching these movies anytime soon. Actually, what kept them busy while we were watching it was, you know, it's Halloween season, so there's haunted and Halloween chews, so we got him a tombstone chew. We'll post him chewing on it. Well, are we pretty much done here? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yes, you All right. plug. Yes, I have an Instagram. I am a wannabe influencer, I think. <laughs> um, I tried starting like a makeup Instagram last summer. That didn't work out because I really just want to rant and like tell people about my life. So you can follow me on Instagram at yesenia.b. That's Y-E-S-S-E-N-I-A. A dot B. Remember that double A. That's important. <laughs> double A dot B. Um, yeah. And I would love to have you guys on there. I am the queen of oversharing. I just, I love it. So if you enjoyed me at all on this 
podcast. I think I got more comfortable as it went on. Shout out to the 9-11 tribute shot. But thank you so much, Vivi and Eric, for having me. I love these guys. They're the bestest sister and brother-in-law I could ever ask for. And of course, Enrique, the bestest boyfriend I could ever ask for. So, um... Oh, shoot. Sunstone. So follow me, guys. Maybe we'll um, uh, be able to... Come back? Yeah, come back and see if uh, me and Erika get married. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no yeah. pressure, babe. But yeah, so hopefully I see some of you guys on there. So thank you so much for welcoming me, guys. It was fun. We'll be happy to have you on again. We link everyone's accounts in the mm-hmm. show notes. So go yes. ahead and check that out. But are we pretty much done here? Yeah, let's go. All right. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. We are Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. You can support the show on Patreon. We'll name our next drink after you with mentions on our website where the drink page will live forever. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, a bunch of others. Give us a listen, give us a follow, throw Loki a treat. It's still time to throw him pumpkin treats. It is. Be sure to like, rate, review us, and okay, thanks, bye. Bye. Bye.